Hello and welcome back to the Hulkcast and Aston Villa podcast hosted by myself, James Rushton, co-hosted by Danny Raza. We're here to go through the latest Aston Villa news and results and the last one is a fantastic result. In the first leg of the playoff semi-finals, West Bromwich Albion came to town, took a lead before Villa gave them both barrels, scoring two goals to their one. Danny, how good does it feel to take a lead to the Hawthorns? Uh, they had us in the first half, I'm not going to lie. Um... No, it was it was it was it was a good victory. I mean, in the end of it, I mean, I was uh, I think I think all of us were relieved by 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 the end of that game. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I, as much as I want to heap the pray the praise on Villa here, James, this was an absolute uh, tragedy for West Brom in the sense that there was no way they should have lost that game. They had that game yeah. in their claws. They had it. And they snatched defeat from the from the jaws of victory, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I think um, I mean they didn't really play that well. It's more so they were able to completely shut down the game and control Villa. Villa, of course, gave uh, West Brom the early lead thanks to a mistake. I'm not sure who to blame here. Glenn Whelan certainly took a lot of the blame. I'm not sure who passed it the ball to him, but it was Jack Grealish. I it, was, think. it was Grealish. It was Grealish. Yeah, it was Grealish. <laughs> There's a fair bit of weight and speed on that ball that wasn't exactly placed directly at the feet of Whelan. It completely um, dumbfounded him and found its way to um, both Jay Rodriguez and Dwight Gale. And Dwight Gale, of course, was the one who snapped the shot and uh, threw, threw the palms of Jed Steer, unfortunately. But Aston Villa gave them the goal. West Bromwich Albion completely shut down with a back five for as long as they could. But it, uh, it did backfire and there was some time wasting in the second half. We'll, we'll come to all of this, mate. The first thing we need to speak about is uh, West Bromwich Albion. In the first half, they were dominant. The main thing that happened, really, apart from the goal, was a Jed Steer save. And Jay Rodriguez couldn't have hit that shot any sweeter, but Jed Steer was able to palm it onto the crossbar. What did you make of that? What, the the save itself? Wow, yeah. The shot itself was good. That bloody save, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, it, I think he lit- that was literally fingertips. That that was genuinely fingertips. That was about as, as close as you can get um, without the ball brushing past you. Um, I mean, it, it was it, it was it was a magnificent save, and it just about saved us as well because it just about hit the crossbar in the right area, uh, and it, it reminded me a lot of a, of a particular Shea Given save uh, a couple of years ago in the Premier League, and I think it was against Leicester, but I might be wrong. Um, just that, I mean, when when you see fingertips like that, especially at such an important moment, I tell you what, that game really could have been taken away from us, uh, especially with with two away goals. West Bromwich Albion could have had there, uh, it would have made life very difficult for us. The away goals rule doesn't count in the playoffs. Um, no, it doesn't. Sorry, it, do, yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't. Sorry. Even well, still, it's, mean, two, it's two goals. But you're not really wrong there because I think a lot of people actually assume it does. I've seen a lot of people say that the away rules, um, the away goals rule counts, but it, it unfortunately doesn't. Well, fortunately for Aston Villa, it doesn't. But yeah, it doesn't count. I've seen a lot of people say that. So they'll be happy to know that actually Villa just take the one goal advantage to the Hawthorns. Thank God. But Jed Steer's save um, between the thumb and the uh, the pointing finger. So barely, barely, you know, any touch on it, but just enough to push it onto the crossbar and uh, call West Brom out for offside when I tried to try to do a pants in the follow up. But plaudits to Jed Steer there. That, he was beaten. Yeah, Steer's Steer's done well, hasn't he? I mean, just just in terms of getting back into this team and, and playing in these massive games, well, especially as a guy that's just done the rounds, you know, around the lower leagues, and it's, it's really just not been in favour for years. And I believe it was Paul Lambert who picked him up at first. I believe it was that long ago, anyway. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, West Brom on the follow up there, you know, could have could have had something. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think we got out a little bit lucky there. I, I really do. Um, but you know, all plaudits to Jed Steer because w- without him, that that would have been two 0 Yeah, it would have been horrific, yeah, and uh, the task would have been a lot harder for Aston Villa had he not pulled off that save. But the next thing we need to speak about then is that West Bromwich Albion goal. Um, horrifying, to be honest. When I was there, I was shaking the entire game. You know, standing up the mm. entire game, shaking the entire time, and it didn't get any better when uh, you know we we gifted it completely gifted to him. And I thought Twan Zabi and Tyron Mings were going to launch into that tackle to stop him. I thought Jed Steer's palm would be enough, but it wasn't. Dwight Gow got that first goal and he cups his arm in front of the whole end. What did you make of that? Well, we did gift it to him. And you know what? I was panicking straight away because I just, I, I, I just, I, I, I just, I always, uh, <laughs> I know it sounds kind of harsh, but I, I really do sort of put Villa in the category of teams that, do not manage to, to to cut it when it when the pressure's on, uh, especially in cup games. I know it's hard to hear, but it, it is true, and it certainly has been in recent years. You know, I mean, I, I've been supporting Villa uh, from I think probably probably since you know yeah since I was born essentially. But you know, I, let's let's just say for argument's sake, I started watching football in around about two thousand and five. I've seen this in, in various cup finals where you know we we just all of a sudden switch off and, and aren't able to aren't able to play to our to our true ability. I saw us in the playoff final last year where we totally switched off again. Um and I just I just had a sinking feeling of that happening again today. Just I mean or, or happening again this weekend when uh, we, we essentially just Grealish and uh, to be to be fair I didn't respond to this comment because West Brom fans were giving giving it large I didn't respond to it because I thought fair play this guy's absolutely done me here I'm not <laughs> I'm not giving him the yeah. benefit of the doubt but West Brom fan actually tweeted me saying um he'd like to call it a, a very good through ball by Jack Grealish and it essentially it essentially was Glenn Whelan gets a lot of the stick here and and fair play he should do because he should be a little bit quicker to the ball but Grealish essentially you know weighted that ball perfectly through to Dwight Gale and I just thought, here we go again. We are absolutely succumbing to the pressure. Yeah, I think uh, evenly weighted mistake on both halves. There, I think Whelan should have made an effort um, if he could to get to it. But that pass, it was uh, had a bit too much fizz on it, shall we say? But that gifted them the goal. Dwight Gale scores to put West Brom into the lead. He's cupping his hands in front of the whole end, sinking feelings all around, mate. It's panic stations from there on out. I've got to be honest. I really thought there is. Uh, I know there's a lot of time left. But it really feels like we've made the hardest possible situation. That we've dug the deepest hole to get out of. I felt um, tremendously upset. I felt tremendously panicky and nervy, on edge. Um, the crowd was deflated. So the crowd atmosphere. I mean, a lot of people were texting me saying, Can, "Get make some noise, you know." It's so quiet, and I just felt, you know, you're not able to. Like I was dumbfounded. I mean. Villa were run over. It was like watching a car crash. Not that they were tremendously bad, but it just felt there was absolutely no way out in that first 45. I think there's an element of shell shock, isn't there, with Villa fans? You know, we've been there so many times. You know, we, we it, it would have been typical Villa to have been on such a, such a mad run where we're dominating teams and playing great football and then to shoot ourselves in the foot like that. Because that right there was an example of us basically doing it to ourselves. And I'll I, I tell you where that shell shot comes from. There was a period of time under Steve Bruce, wasn't there, when we were literally just, we were just handing goals over like there was no tomorrow. And it felt like that was happening again. Um, Glenn Whelan almost seemed to have a little bit of a, of a look to his, but he had a flashback, man. He had a flashback to, to his previous self where 
he was handing away a lot of um, a lot of silly opportunities and stuff like that. Uh, and, and I can imagine why why Villa fans would have been a little bit deflated there. But uh, I think part of that part of that was due to West Bromwich Albion actually coming out and having a very good game plan. Game, sorry, game plan from the start. West Brom were a, were a very good side uh, in, in in that first half, or at least until they scored the goal. They, they, they were solid and they were creating opportunities. And Jay Rodriguez and Dwight Gale were threatening to do that to us from the start of that game. Yeah, I thought whew, it was it was tough because Whelan, I think we'll focus on Whelan again. After the mistake, he kind of, it zoomed in on him, does the close-up and he was owning up to it. And I thought after that, he'd probably take a lot less touches and get back to his old self. Well, he did not get a good self. game. He did not have a good no, game. No, he, he did not have a good game. And I think a lot of it was trying to make up for the mistake. Well, quote unquote mistake, um, because he was he was holding on to the ball, getting into positions, trying to kind of make something happen, and that is not the Glen Whelan we need. We need that that quietly confident, the guy who fizzes the passes around, the guy who kind of dictates the tempo, not the guy who kind of needs to to you know turn that negative around. Yeah, he was he was he was trying to pull off a lot of Hollywood passes, um, which were just unnecessary. I think, um, I think part of that, to be fair, wasn't wasn't just down to him. I think West Brom obviously um, put out put out those two lines basically those two banks of five and four, um, and there was a lot of times where Whelan was attempting you know crazy through balls and just long passes which were which were which were either getting intercepted or going away for throws. I think part of that was to be fair down to a lack of movement and I think uh, just a, a major statistic, uh, yeah, statisticity to be fair from from a lot of our from a lot of our players. Uh, I think that obviously did change later on in the game, but uh, that certainly didn't help. And I think the way we were playing just didn't suit Glenn Whelan at that point. Nothing going for Aston Villa. And I think they struggled to get the ball to Tammy Abraham. They struggled to play the ball out wide. They struggled to, you know, find a man in the box when Al Mohamedi or Al Ghazi found a crossing space. They just didn't have anything going for them. And a lot of that isn't due to their failures. West Brom doing a very, very, very good job of sitting back and controlling the game. And they've done it fantastically because what else are you going to do at Villa Park? What else can you do against a team like Aston Villa other than that? You know, yeah, exactly. a lot has changed. A lot has changed. And they put, you know, that that has to be massive credit. A lot of people say, oh, you come to Villa Park and you sat back. What I don't think that's a critical point. I don't think that, that's a negative because they stole the lead, a lead they probably didn't expect to find so early. What else could they have done? If they, if, oh, they, yeah. if they played a high line, the score line would have been about 6-1 to Aston Villa. I'll tell you what they could have done. Uh, they, they really could have utilised Dwight Gale and Jay Rodriguez better. Uh, I, th- I think I think that was a big issue. I mean, they, 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 they defended very well, don't get me wrong. And yeah, they were incredibly frustrating. But they were offering nothing going forward past mm-hmm. after that goal. And I think that that that's the issue. And I think that's where West Brom fans have got to be I've got to be putting their hands up and going, well, hang on a second, James Chan, what's, what, what's going on? Uh, they, they they had a attack which looked potent uh, for a large parts of that game. I think Phillips obviously doing really well to to bring bring the ball forward, but Dwight Gale and Jay Rodriguez doing very well to try and get ahead of the defenders. Uh, a lot of the times in that on those counter attacks, and those counter attacks almost died like like totally. Um, and all of a sudden, Jay Rodriguez and and Dwight Gale are struggling to get ahead of Villa because well, hang on a second, you know they 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 they're, they're so far back. That you know, it's just giving it's just giving time to Villa for for Villa defenders, sorry, to to just track back. Um, you know, we, we didn't put we didn't exactly put out a weak defense. 
Um, I mean, I think that that's where, you know, we, we have got to sort of put a bit of praise to Tyrone Mings, Axel Tanzibe, um, Al Mohamed, and even Neil, Neil Taylor. Taylor, they did not fall asleep. And if they and if they did, perhaps West Brom's counterattacks would have been a little bit more potent. But I, I tell you what, James, I, I don't know about you, but I just think they wasted two very talented strikers there who could have, you know, broken and, and perhaps, you know, just troubled Villa a lot more than they did. Yeah, I think it was a there was a lot of freedom given to Rodriguez and Gale, but that didn't really help them when West Brom's only game, you know, the only thing they could offer was to spring on that loose ball and create a bit of chaos um through a long direct well, you say direct pass, it wasn't going to their feet, was it? It was going directly in front. So, you know, it it, it relied on a lot of luck for Gale and Rodriguez to actually create a, a shooting chance after the ones that were gifted to them. You know, I mean Fair play to Rodriguez because that first shot was, you know, he should have scored that. And a lot of people mocking him for running away and celebrating. Um, and mm. even though, you know, that's a goal. That's as good as a goal. And the, if Jed Steele doesn't get a hand on that, and he shouldn't have got a hand on that, but he did. Um, that's as good as a goal. It's what Gal, of course, took his chance. They had nothing, nothing going after that. And uh, it relied a lot on luck. And they didn't have any luck on that after that. After that, there was no luck for him. And it all fizzled out. Craig Dawson, unfortunately, went off with a, a head injury. Well, unfortunately for West Brom and unfortunately for himself, but that was, uh, you know, that's where it started to change for Villa because that to introduce Tyrone Mears to that back three or back five at the at the, um, at the half-time whistle. Completely mm. changed from there. Completely changed from there because I think that's a bit of chaos that they don't want. That's a type of chaos. They don't want just someone new in that back three, back five. And phew, as far as I'm concerned, that first half whistle was a complete and utter turning point. Villa Park responded. They got on their feet again. They started roaring for the team. And Aston Villa responded massively. So at halftime, I was thinking, what can they do to get back into this? And Glenn Whelan going off a of Hurrahan isn't a massive change, but it was. It was in this match. Usually you're thinking, what, you know, you take off Glenn Whelan, you get Hurrahan, big deal. Connor Hurrahan in that match was a, a man possessed. Yeah, look, look. Uh, Glenn Whelan, when you're playing against a team who are coming at you and you know have a, a ha- you know perhaps have that extra midfielder who's trying to who's trying to create who's trying to create stuff, Whelan's very good at, at neutralizing that and you know helping Villa sort of push on. You know, whilst you know, whilst you know the other team's defenders maybe press a little bit and maybe try to get to Whelan whilst he's got the ball. You know, that's how you sort of create that space. Uh, when you're playing against a team which are totally static and aren't going to come at you to challenge for it. A guy like Glenn Whelan, I don't think is super effective. That's not, there's nothing to do with himself, but I think that's why Conor Hurahan in him, in, in, in his own right, uh, works so well there. Because at that point, you've got three midfielders there who are pushing a little bit further. It's like, if you want to be static, that's fine. We're going to push our line a little bit further forward. You know, and it kind of just gave Grealish and McGinn a little bit more, um, a little bit more space to to kind of to kind of push on a little bit. Whilst Conor Hurahan, you know, is more the sort of midfielder who, who can drive at that static line that that, that West Brom have, um, as a, as opposed to sort of you know stay where he is and kind of and, and and try and find the space of other players. And I think you know ultimately Conor Hurahan was the major change in that game. That that was, uh, I, I think, the the change of emphasis. Um, I think I, I don't think that Dean Smith. I think post game just said it was about fresh legs. I think it was more than that. Um, when him and when him and Green both came on, uh, but yeah, a hundred percent. Conor Huran right there was the guy to bring on. Uh, whether he's he's the right guy to start against uh, them on Tuesday, I'm not sure yet. But uh, he, he definitely makes Dean Smith's selection problem difficult. 
it came on a uh, lot of energy a lot of, you know his fresh legs definitely helped he was able to get to loose balls at the back create sliding you know sliding on the ball and take the ball away from West Brom attacks completely shut him down used that left foot to perfection and not there was no better moment for his use of his left foot than Villa's equalizing goal because man he was fantastic and I'm not sure what happened to West Brom because their marking shut down Conor Horan was on the edge of that box unmarked unchallenged for an eternity and he was on that ball for an eternity he turned around and struck it with his left foot goes past every single person including former villain Sam Johnston in goal and that's rapturous mate amazing scenes oh tell you what this you want to talk about sort of uh, seizing your opportunity. Villa found the chink in the matrix there. That's what that was. West Brom defending fantastically all game, which is blocking out. And I, and I, I will 100%, right? I, I want to give West Brom credit for that, for that defensive performance. There, there were things that they did which which perhaps they shouldn't have and, and absolutely they, they shot themselves in the foot. But, you know, throughout the whole game, they were defending, they were defending so well, just stopping Villa players from having any sort of uh, clear shot at goal. But they shut down. You're right, James. They shut down, right? <laughs> what happens is Jack Grealish gets into the box. Suddenly, two or three defenders decide they want to mark him. Conor Hurahan is totally free. He is in acres of space. He's screaming for the ball as oh, well. Oh, yeah. You know, he's screaming yeah, for Yeah, he him. is. He is. And that, that ball, that ball doesn't, doesn't reach him, you know, super fast, does it? It's not a quick pass from Grealish. I mean, it just it just gives it gives him it gives him every opportunity to to sort of time his shot perfectly, and that he did well. That was still difficult, by the way. He almost he almost shot that with his shin, and it goes flying into the goal. Incredible shot, and it's a shame it's still not the regular season, because in terms of context, that is Villa's goal of the season in terms of everything that was needed. Oh, I don't Mate, know. You don't get a bet. You don't get a much more a, a much more needed goal than that. Grealish versus Blues is big. Oh, and Grealish versus Rotherham as well. To be fair, but uh, in but terms I, I, of it, in terms of how I felt, I've never felt better after a goal. This is like you know when you you know when you when you're trying to defeat the final final boss on a, on a video game, right? And then you get rid of their armor. That's what Villa did. I mean that 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 basically broke West Brom at that point. That that defensive, you know. Let's let's you know see this out attitude that they had. It totally fell apart at that point, and that's where you know the time wasting um, and the, the 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 games they were trying to play throughout that game. You know the likes of Dwight Gale. That's when that all falls apart, and you, and you have to think as a West Brom supporter. You know, was that all very necessary? Um, they should have capitalized on on Villa whilst Villa were weak, and and for large periods of that game, James Villa were weak. Um, and and they just basically handed it to us once we once we got some momentum going. Have you ever have you ever played like Dark Souls or like Bloodborne, those type of games? I I, I know that that if you're a sadist and you want to hurt yourself, <laughs> those are the games that you play. Well, I'm pretty sure there's there's a boss on one of them. I don't know which one. I've played them all. I right. haven't played them all. Jeez, man. Um, Obviously not. They're good games, but. There is a boss, and I'm pretty certain he takes so long to beat. And you beat him, and you're re- relief, and the health bar just goes all the way back up, and he gets back up. <laughs> yeah, I take that. Form. that is very much how I, how I thought Aston Villa were against West Brom because West Brom beat them. You know, they're down. They get the goal. Okay, we take it one-one. It's all right. We're going back to Hawthorne to one-one. Then they get another mate. Then they get another. 
yeah. the comeback, full health. Aston Villa got another goal, and that was, you know, there's a lot of contentious talking points here, namely how the goal was got in the first place, because it was a penalty. It was a Tammy Abraham penalty. Jack Grealish is fouled in the box. A lot of people saying it's a dive. Yeah, I'm not having it. I'm not no. having it, right? Sorry, Kieran Gibbs has just been booked. Uh, and he, to be honest, he's lucky not to be off. But he's he, he's gone in. He, he's mistimed the challenge, right? He, I mean, whether I mean whether or not he gets an amazing amount of contact on Grealish there, he's stopping Grealish from 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 getting to the ball there, isn't he? I mean, he's he, Gibbs has got he's gone for Grealish there. He's not gone for the ball. Um, if 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 Gibbs doesn't come in like that, Grealish is through on goal. He, he scores. Um, it's it's two one. Uh, and I think. Yeah, look, there was no no protest from the West Brom fans. I think a lot of this was just this game got very heated on Twitter. It got very very heated. There's a lot of suggestions from from fans of um, West Bromwich Albion, Leeds United fans as well popping up on Twitter. Weird, a few of them. Weird. Uh, just suggest. I mean, the the weirdest thing I've been I've been seeing is is fans having to go with the EFL for uh, for, for giving Villa um, uh, favoritism basically. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, mate. West Bromwich Albion scored a goal over the hand in December. Exactly, they did. They, they and it was an obvious goal with the hand as well, right? One which Jay Rodriguez after the game as well admitted to hitting with his hand as well. Um, nothing was ever done about it, by the way, and it was an important game because it was it was Most huge in terms of our yeah, it was it was huge in terms of our momentum. But, yeah, and I mean we'd have I think we'd have happily had two extra points. Yeah. No, they should have had a penalty today. I mean, West Brom they should have had a penalty. I don't know about that, mate. I really don't know. It's a good. I mean, I'm looking at it. I mean, the, the guy's taken out, but he's not even on the ball. He's not even challenging for the ball. No, he, just falls, no. he falls over in the in the in the act of trying to do a header. It's completely different to having possession of the ball and having that possession taken from you, not because they've won the ball, but they've won the man. I've taken out the man, and I think that's where the challenge on Grealish is a little bit more stonewall. Yeah, because you're taking the man to get through to the ball. Yeah, and. You know, a lot of people say diving. If there's contact, any contact, if it's a hair's contact, it's a foul because <laughs> that's the rule. You can't take it. You can't go through the man. I mean, Ab- Abraham does go into his back. I get it. I get the argument, but I, the ball's not involved. The ball is not involved in it. Mm. Like, it's an off the ball challenge. Two people going up for it. One of them blunders through him. He's not in possession of the ball. He's not nowhere near the ball. I'm not having it. I'm having the Grealish one because he's on the ball and he's running towards goal and he's taken. He's he's taken out. So I mean, so, so, I mean, with, with Villa's penalty, obviously Tammy Abraham he finishes it as coolly as possible, right? Um, yeah. Sam Johnston should be doing better though, shouldn't he? He should be, but it's a penalty. Uh, it's a guessing game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. But I think um, one one thing that was noted on Twitter. And the reason why why I bring that point up is that Abraham always goes to that side, and I was just wondering whether West Brom might have done their research. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think it was. I think at this point, you've got to be you've got to be calling his bluff on that, don't you? If he if Abraham called his bluff and went to the opposite side, Sam Johnson would have saved it. I think Johnson was trying to call his bluff. Right. Sure. Sure. So it's just a, it's just a good, good, it was good, good finish from Abraham. Yeah, it was good goalkeeping from Johnson because if you're thinking he's gone to the wrong side, he's gone to that wrong side for a, a reason. But uh, Abraham's caught him out there. I hope we don't get another penalty given to us because uh, it'd be a lot more of a uh, a shootout, a showdown, standoff even between oh, Johnson yeah. and 
take it. It'd be Abraham, more than likely. But no, I think he went to the wrong side for a reason. But uh, going back to that Grealish dive or foul, there's a part of me that thinks he is going down before he before he's touched. But that's yeah. the point. That's the point. Is the reason he's in that position there is to win the foul, and he because he knows you're going to take him out. Well, this is it. You know, if you're straight through on goal like that, uh, if you get any sort of contact that's going to stop you from finishing, you should, to be fair, just, you know, I think take the foul. You take yeah, the foul I mean, any other part of the pitch. You know, it's not cheating. Um, I, like, I think if I think if, you, if you're rolling around on the floor trying to make the most of it, then then fine. But I think it's I think it's a case of do I sort of stutter myself back up here, having clearly been fouled um, and, and, and ruin my chance at finishing? Or do I just take it now and just say, yep, I've been caught. Uh, I'll take the penalty. I think it's a, I think it's a case of that, and I think at that point, you know, the ball had bobbled past Greedish a little bit. Um, the only way he's getting to that ball is if you know he's if, if he's got the opportunity to to keep running with it. Uh, but but Gibbs, he does take out Greedish. He's not got the ball. I, there there may not have been an awful lot of contact, but he's obstructed he's obstructed Greedish in a way where you know that there, there, there's nothing Jack can do really but trip. Yeah, I think you know if you're in that position, you'll get you're touched in the box. You you kind of have to go down, and you can't you you dumb. If you don't go down, when you're when someone's challenging you in the box and you you've lost the ball, you have to go down because I've seen so many times they they leap the challenge and the ball's just gone. It's gone somewhere else. They can't get it anymore. If they went down, if they were fouled, if they took the foul and have won a penalty, but no, sometimes they ride the challenge and try and get to the ball. And yeah, it is quote unquote honourable, but the foul's still there. It doesn't not it doesn't disappear. Because the players got away, right? No, of course not. Of course not. And I mean, if you're, you know, it goes both ways. If you're going to ground in the box, you've lost already. But look, I, th- I think, I think, I think that that challenge for me was Stonewall. I don't think you can really complain about that. I do think, though, James. If I'm being totally fair, there were there were decisions that that West Brom fans have to be, you know, have to be upset about. I I I, I, I totally have to sympathise with them or, or empathise with them. Um, so to speak, um, with certain decisions. That, that that penalty decision, though, that, that the, the Greenish decision right there, that 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 wasn't one that I think is contentious. That one is straight up a penalty. That was, I think, uh, just another one of those things which is compiled as an excuse after the game because um, so much riding on on Villa versus West Brom that both sets of fans are just trying to avoid embarrassment. Um, but I, th- I think genuinely, you know, when your team loses, um, and you know, uh, when your team loses and there's so much beef between two sides like that on Twitter. Just, just, just hang it in, mate. Just log out. And, log and off. Just, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Don't, don't, don't try to, you know, don't try to have it, uh, have it large with the other fan base. Just uh, this goes for Villa fans as well. Just log off. Um, and I think, I think a lot of these decisions are probably being talked about a little bit more because fans on Twitter have basically become the new VAR. Yeah. I think it's an embarrassing conversation because every team gets fouls against them because, and every team gets fouls for them. There's bias. It's not implicit, but there is bias, and because that's because the officiating team are human beings, and they're dumb and stupid. Because we're all dumb and stupid. It's that simple. They make bad decisions. We make bad decisions. They're, they're not robots. Bar's not even a robot, is it? It's, it's a video screen, but it's still officiated by uh, by people. Yeah, it's still humanized. Um, you know, it's not it's not fully automated, is it? Uh, you can't start putting sensors on 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 players' body parts and stuff. Which is probably going to be talked about or something in like twenty, thirty years' time. Um, but there you go. 
Well, if West Bromwich Albion fans want to be disappointed about something, I'll give them something to be disappointed about. I think they should have went for it more in the first half. We were down and out. If they wanted it, they could have had it. If they wanted three goals, I'm pretty sure they could have. They absolutely could have done. Uh, I think. I think. I. Th- I have to say that we were as weak as we have been for a very long time. There, I think that we were shaken. We were shaken. I. I had a. I had an absolute flashback to John Terry suddenly forgetting uh, how much of a Champions League winning legend he was um, last season in the playoff final and just crumbling to pieces. And there was a chance that we could have done that had West Brom just continued to have a go at us. But their forward, Dwight Gale, who is incredibly talented and really could have been the man to instigate that, instead was taking, uh, you know, 20 seconds to to, to, to get in, to, to take a throw in, um, which basically instigated a bit of a storyline for, for the rest of that game. Uh, and, and really, you just think that if you're West Brom, just keep the momentum up. There's, you, you literally got nothing to lose in in having a go at Villa at this point. Maybe I mean, once Villa are are, are on for, are on form again and and solid again, you're not going to be able to play with that same sort of luxury. And, and and now you know, I just think I just think for for Albion fans, yeah, you've 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 got to be disappointed with that. And 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 I'll say that again, Dwight Gale, you know, has to be seen as a villain. Uh, for for that game as well, for, for from their perspective, because what are you doing? What are you doing in attacking positions, taking twenty thirty odd seconds to take a throw in? Why are you time wasting thirty five minutes on five minutes onward? It's not a ninety minute game either. This is a one hundred and eighty minute game. Let's talk more about Dwight Gale because he was sent off. Of course, he'll miss a second leg. He won't appear in a baggy shirt again. And um, he was already kind of carrying a punishment. Um, that would see him out, the, out for the final um, because of diving, deceiving a match, um, deceiving the match official. So he'd miss it anyway. But um, no, he's got a red card. He'll be out for the second leg. And I mean, I don't agree that he should have been sent off, but I do agree that the referee had every right to be pissed off with him due to the amount of little fouls he was given there and there. He'd been warned four times, mate, before that red card was shown. This is the problem. He did it to himself. Like okay, I think this is a conversation in football. So, um, with when it comes to yellow cards, should you only ever get a yellow card when you make a yellow card challenge, or um, numerous innocent fouls should they amount to a yellow card in the end? Because I think that's partly what influenced White Girl. What do you reckon? Absolutely. But the problem is it's subjective because how many little fouls, what type of little fouls, what are we mm. talking about here? You know, it's completely subjective. That second, that yellow card was always coming. That second yellow, definitely, because he was time-wasting from the 35th minute. Yeah, he'd been warned four times. He took out he took out Grealish, was warned for that. He was warned for putting his hands on Tyrone Mings. He was warned for a lot of things. Warned for rolling around on the pitch. <laughs> you know, oh. if he makes one error... If he makes one error lock sliding late on Jed Steer, he knows it's not a foul. He knows, that, yeah, yeah, he's going to get flagged up. But the referee and the match team are that pissed off with him. They're going to send him off. He's, he's making their job harder. I'll tell you what, before getting on to that Jed Steer thing, right, the, the best one, the best one, mate, that I saw on Twitter was Villa didn't put the ball out for Dwight Gale. He wasn't injured. I, I, put the ball out? I have to say, right, some, some, some very respected Leeds fans on Twitter as well. Making <laughs> the same comment. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Dwight, Dwight Gale was very clearly time wasting at that point. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, I mean, if he was injured holding his leg, there'd be a case for kicking out, wouldn't there? Because that's fair. You know, you you know, if a player's hurt, kick the ball out. He went down, feigning being hit in the face. That's you know, that's cheating. 
Yeah, I think Hurahan's Hurahan's hand does slide across his face, right? It's there's contact there, right? But uh, come on, man. You know, you're 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 a grown man. Um, it's, that is not enough for you to be rolling around on the floor for for however many minutes. Uh, I mean, he was he was down for for a good couple of minutes, um, and then he just kind of gets up, doesn't he, without the, without the need for the medical team or, or anything like that. Um, but Villa Villa were well within their rights to carry on playing there, and everybody seems to forget. I, I hate to go back to it. Everybody seems to forget that Leeds pretended to put the ball out. And I think that that was what the issue was a couple of weeks ago. Um, at, you know, in, in, in a, in a high stakes game like this against Albion, where, where, where Gale was, was clearly, clearly time wasting um, throughout that game. Villa well within their rights there to just say, you know what, we're going to carry on. Yeah, it was, it was dumb. It was dumb all around. All the comments, the, the diving, there's just a lot of unsavory stuff to kind of take from that. And I guess um, what I was saying when Dwight, I said Dwight Gale's red card um, wasn't deserved. I was thinking more so the single challenge on the keeper because he had every right to go for the uh, the corner. It's more so that he was sent off rightly so for wasting everyone's time, really. Wasting the match for fixed time. He had no intention of playing football. He didn't want to play football at that point. He, I mean, he, he still didn't get... He still didn't really get anywhere near the ball, and he did make contact with the keeper. You are you are always putting yourself in danger. I mean, you are, oh, yeah. you are always putting the keeper in danger like that. Red card offences. It? It's like you're not going to get strength, sent straight off for that, and sometimes you're not even going to pick up a yellow card for it. It is perhaps a yellow card challenge, though. I think. I think. Yeah. I think. Well, I think when you're that far away from the ball, uh, I, I get why people say it was harsh, but it, like as as you say again, mate, he did it to himself. He did it. Yeah, himself, rightly, uh, rightly a yellow card. He was wasting time all match. He didn't want to play football. He didn't, you know, fair enough. He wanted to take the, the lead home to uh, the Hawthorne Trees and his, his team on loan from Newcastle. But these things are going to happen. If you're taking the piss, if you, you're getting your name to the book, if you're making yourself a known character, then the littlest thing is sometimes enough to send you off. And uh, I think West Brom fans are, right, are probably going to be uh, upset about that. Maybe rightly so. Who cares? Because you shouldn't have took the piss. You know, that he didn't need to pick up that yellow card for time wasting. I mean, James Shan, I kind of agree. Why'd you have to sprint to take a throw in? But he was taking the piss. He was taking the piss. You know what? I think I think I think Dwight Gill, right? You've got you've got twenty four goals in in the championship this season. I think he's in the championship anyway. Oh you, you, you I mean you've got you've got twenty five goals there or thereabouts anyway, you know, throughout the season. He's obviously on loan from from Newcastle United, but he has a chance here to absolutely put himself on the map as well. You know, this is, this, is a, this is a self thing and it's also a club thing here, right? Make yourself a legend with West Brom, you know, uh, with, with, with the way that Villa were performing there. He, he could have easily gone on to, to grab a couple of goals. He did have a couple of opportunities there as well when he when he, when he he perhaps could have done that. Um, and, and him and Rodriguez, in, in, in the form that they were in at that point, really had a major opportunity. But I tell you what, Dwight Gale, you absolutely blew it. You absolutely blew it. And it just played right into Villa's hands in the end of it, uh, and, and I just think I just think you know it's a very very disappointed performance, and I think it's just gonna I think it's just gonna leave a bad taste in West Brom and Albion fans as um, in mouths basically. If if Villa do end up going through here, um, I think I think West Brom fans are gonna have to look at Dwight Gale and think you know what, you know perhaps mate, um, you were the reason, uh, not sole reason, you were one of the big reasons why we didn't go through. Did you see that photo of him sitting in the, in the tunnel? Yeah, it's hilarious. I don't know who got it. It's funny, isn't it? It's so funny. But uh, <laughs> he has every right to, you know, I'm thinking, again, he has every right to go for the uh, the ball, but it's just so funny. The, the sending off is so funny. I get why he's upset, 
But don't pick up silly yellows. This is what happens. This is this is why yellow cards are there. They're not there for you to have like a burner foul. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't just drop a burner foul and like, cry when you get sent off. Yeah. It's, it's not the way you it have two chances. You have two chances per game. And if you burn them both, you're gone. That's yeah. the rule. And he burnt his, both his chances while being an arse. Yeah, Dwight Gale, mate. He got sent off. He won't be around. I think that's pretty much it, apart from one topic I did want to broach with you, mate, because, of mm. course, you're fasting right now, aren't you? I am fasting, mate. So if, if anybody thinks that uh, my performance on this podcast is crap, um, you're probably right. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't know how to judge my performance <laughs> at this point. I'm joking, I'm joking. Do I'm, I'm, I'm messing, I'm messing, I'm messing. I haven't eaten for about 16, 17 hours, but look, man, look... Um, you get a lot of power from it, man. A lot of Muslims will tell you, you know, we feel empowered during it. And and honestly, uh, you, you feel great for it in some ways. I mean, you do feel very hungry, but uh, you do feel great for it in some ways. Um, and, and I think that's, I mean, this is something you're going to, you're about to mention. You actually informed me of this, James. Um, I wasn't aware of this because I don't like to pry into whether sportsmen, whether or not sportsmen are, are, are fasting because, you know, it's their own decision. Yeah, of course. I think there's a you know that moral argument of whether footballers or athletes should fast, and you know there's there's different sides to both of it, and I think we all appreciate all sides of those. And you're right, we probably shouldn't pry in. But Dean Smith said after the match that um, a player went down, hurt. You know, he was tired, um, confused. He was he was trying to you know he, he was performing under par, or so we thought. And that player was Amwar Al Ghazi, who went down, um, tired, knackered, completely out of it, and carried on because he didn't want Villa to waste a substitution, because he, he realised Tyron Mings had gone off injured. Um, Tyron Mings, of course, came back on. Um, but yeah, just really good to see Amal Ghazi fasting, taking it for the team and playing so well. You know, he had some of that really, Ram- really proud of him. He had some of that Ramadan creativity, man. There was a couple of those times when he, when he shot from 30 yards out. Uh, <laughs> one of those things you might not have had the confidence to do as usual. Um, but no, it was it was it was good. Uh, like I I didn't I didn't realize he was fasting, and you would not have been able to tell. You would not have been able to tell from that performance. I thought I thought he played well. Um, to be fair to him, to be fair to him, and I, and and a lot applauded us to go out here. Neil Taylor helped him a lot on that left wing, and I think that's perhaps partly why. Um, but there was there was a no po- moment there where him or did you say El Mahamadi was fasting as well? I believe so, as far as I'm aware. And uh, Higazi on the West Bank Javian team and possibly fasting as well. But definitely, you didn't see a drop of it in performance. No. If anything. No, absolutely which is, not. You know, absolutely fascinating to see um, that, you know, a player, you know, completely dedicated to their faith and also dedicated to their profession. It's it's just incredible that there was you know, seemingly no effect. And even though Al Ghazi went down feeling those effects, he was able to carry on. Fantastic stuff to see because, of course, it's pretty. It's pretty testing, and that's the point of it, I guess. You know, not being able to consume liquid or food or the taste, you know, food taste or mouthfeel, anything, you know, it's, it's sometimes even brushing your teeth, stuff like that, stuff that, you know, goes out the window um, when it comes to a fasting period. How are you finding it anyway? Bit tough? Um, I th- I'll tell you what, for me, it's just the sleep cycles. Uh, I think more than anything. I'm not sure... Uh, how the footballers are handling it, or whether whether I actually mentioned mate, the sleep cycles because he said he's not, you know, Dean Smith brought up something about Al Ghazi's sleeping patterns. Yeah, so of course it takes its toll. Well, you, you imagine, I mean, whether you're working a nine to five, whether you're working, you know, um, any other time. Period. I mean, this is the thing, right? I, I, I've, I've, I've been trying to work out different timetables this work, this this month for work. Um, the reality is, not a lot of them 
uh, are incredibly easy. Uh, but basically, you think about it. Uh, for those of you perhaps don't know necessarily the way it works, you basically you're, you're, you're able to eat when it's dark, essentially, right? So um, I'll be able to eat between around about 9 p.m. and maybe about 20 past three in the morning or something like that. So you imagine, you know, you, you have your dinner, you might, you might, you know, go to the mosque to pray. You might then sleep, um, wake up for breakfast at perhaps 2, 3, 2.30, maybe, you know, 3, 3 a.m. And then you perhaps go back to sleep um, or you stay awake. It, it, it depends how it is for you. But as a footballer, perhaps, you know, if he's coming in for training, let's imagine he's doing nine to five. Um, that means essentially, you know, you're, you're perhaps you know, going back, you're breaking your sleep in the middle of the night, you're going back to sleep at about half three, maybe four o'clock, you know, you've got to pray. Um, and then you've got to get back up again, you know, about seven or eight in the morning. Uh, it, it can be tough. I honestly have to say that the managing the sleep cycle, far harder, far, far harder than not having food or water. But I'm just supposed it's different for a footballer. It's absolutely incredible to see the uh, level of performance they're able to give under such, you know, challenging conditions and the conditions which are clearly abiding to and clearly, uh, you know, working working around. So I think it's fascinating to see um, from, you know, my perspective anyway. I, I, I love seeing how, how different athletes handle it. I mean, my, my favourite ever one was was Tunisia last year. Um, in I think it was, I think it was, uh, was it was it during the World Cup or was it, was it before the World Cup? Yeah, it was. It was during the World Cup. Well, I think I know what you're on about, yeah. What Muez is saying, um, the goalkeeper appeared to feign injury uh, when it was time to break the fast. <laughs> and That's brilliant. so basically, whilst he was lying on the floor, uh, it gave the whole team an opportunity to go ahead and, uh, and grab some dates and some water. Uh, I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. Um, but look, any any footballer, you know, in the Premier League or the Championship, performing to that level, <laughs> you know, it's, it's 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 almost ridiculous. But I just have to say, fair play. Um, and I think I don't know whether I don't know what it is, but you know, a lot of these players that do get an extra gear, and you won't notice it. And I think part of that is is due to them just being so focused and so. Um, you know, just taking in the blessings from the month, you know, from a Muslim's perfect, uh, pers- perspective. Um, and I just think, yeah, just just fair play to any of them that, that are able to do it. I think, I think, just you just got to give the plaudits to to to, to El Ghazi for, for for being able to do it. And I think um, if if he said, uh, I'm not sure if El Mohammadi whether or not he was fasting, he played he played well. Obviously, um, wouldn't want to pry there. Hegazi, as you say, was 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 fasting as well. Uh, I thought he was West Brom's best defender. Yeah, I think he has, as he has been most of the season anyway. But, um, mate, I do need to take a match ball off you for the first leg. So I've I've seen I've seen a number of different um of different perspectives thrown out here. Uh, I think I think there's there's been some notable notable performances for um I mean I'll, I'll, I'll avoid the obvious notable performances from from Neil Taylor, um, El Mahamedi, uh, but I think in particular Neil Taylor. Uh, notable performances as well from from Tammy Abraham, who who did well despite not having too many touches. Jed Steer obviously doing very well in in goal. Um, and I think to me it comes down to to two perhaps to, to perhaps two midfield players. Um, and uh, as much John McGinn's been been fantastic for us all season, uh, you have to say that this was a game that was perhaps built for the playmakers. Uh, and and with that I say Jack Grealish or Connor Hurahan. Connor Hurahan obviously came on and, and, and changed the game. Um, majorly but I think I'm going to give my match ball to Jack Grealish um, because uh, despite that Grealish you know set up the first goal 
uh, found that. I mean, he's the one who found Conor Hurahan in that space, and and you have to have terrific vision to be able to do that. And second of all, won that penalty um, for uh, for Villa, uh, which which obviously was the winning goal in the end. And I thought for for the whole game, you know, he was he was you know the one asking questions, trying to find his way around that West Brom defense. Uh, didn't seem to misplace a pass at all during the whole game. Um, I'm sure he did. But uh, I have to give it to Jack Grealish. Just did tremendous work as a playmaker. And mine's going to go to an obvious one. It's Conor Hurahan. Uh, he came in with Andre Green, helped spark Aston Villa. So Conor Hurahan and his goal, <laughs> fantastic goal. And I'm surprised at how far away it was actually shot from. I thought it looked like, you know, just, just outside yeah. the box. It was actually quite far back. <laughs> That he hit that from, and it didn't. It never looked like it was going out. It was always going in. Kind of Hurhan energized Aston Villa, helped them grow. Uh, whilst it was Grealish and Tammy that won the penalty and scored from Villa's final goal, kind of Hurhan brought them back into the match. And you know it couldn't be anyone else, could it? Because he's coming for some stick this season. So well done to him, bouncing back, energizing Aston Villa, and just giving them the lift, just a little bit of lift that they needed to, you know, be themselves. Really, he helped them be themselves. So yeah, Conor Horan gets mine. Jack Grealish gets yours. We've got to come together for one. Who are we choosing? Uh, I'm going to give it Jed for the save. I was going to say that. Jed Steer, absolutely. Yeah, no, I was going to say, mate, Jed Steer. I think, I think, I think, was it was it Phil on Twitter who said that Neil Taylor should be given the um, man of the match? Uh, I mean, that, that that fair play. I mean, hard work from from him throughout the game, and it would be nice to come on to him. But uh, Jed Steer, yeah, I mean, that that save was just ridiculous. Uh, probably save of the season, I'd say for Villa. Yeah, I'd go so far. Yeah, I'd absolutely say that because if he doesn't touch it, Villa lose that match. Maybe they draw it two two. Maybe they go on to win three two. Maybe it galvanizes them. But you know, all we can say here is if that went in, the scoreline would have been at the very least two two, and that's just not good enough. Is <laughs> it just take to the Hawthorns and it all be up in the air? But Villa take that one goal advantage ahead, mate. And me and you were going to preview the West Brom game if that's all. Yeah, right. let's do it. Yeah, so. Um, Villa go to the Hawthorns Tuesday night. West Brom are down a goal, so they absolutely must score. They're missing a key component of the team in Dwight Gale. Of course, I think they're going to miss Hal Robson-Karnu as yeah. well. He might come back, I'm not sure. But um, it's going to be a tough ask for maybe both teams. And um, Villa, it's all to play for. Villa are going to face a cauldron of fire. That, that Baggies crowd will surely be up and uh, be ready to give some host- uh, you know, perform a hostile atmosphere. So... It's, it's it's tough to predict. I really don't know how it's going to turn out, but I have faith in Aston Villa here. Uh, yeah, look, I, I don't think I don't think West Brom are going to line up line up much differently. I think all that we're going to see is is, is Jacob Murphy coming in for um for uh for for Dwight Gale, and I think there's still a bit of pace in there, which is which is going to trouble Villa. Um, but I think it all depends on on how West Brom approach the game. Uh, and I think I think Dean Smith has to make somewhat of a prediction. Um, I mean, obviously that is part of a manager's job, but I think it's just, I, I think this could go two ways because, I mean, West Brom could quite easily say, you know what, let's execute the same thing. Let's try and execute the same game plan. Let's grab a goal, let's take it to extra time, tie a Villa out. Um, we'll, 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 we'll see what we can do. Um, I don't know if they can come at us and, and, and attack us and expect to um, come out of that game with, with less goals. Um, but I'd say that's their best bet. Personally, I think I think I think if West Brom really tried to come come at us with Rodriguez, Murphy, and Phillips, uh, I, th- I think that is honestly their best bet, particularly at home. Um, especially with the defense they have, we know how difficult it is to break them down. 
um, they'll they'll have spotted the threat of Conor Huran by this point. Rodriguez is is lethal. They don't necessarily need Dwight Garrett. To, of course, it's great to have both of them. But Rodriguez himself is lethal, and he just needed a bit of luck to uh, score against Villa um, on Saturday. So you know, it's not it's a massive loss that Dwight Garrett's not playing, but still, you got Rodriguez. So there's a lot of danger there, regardless. Um, West Brom's best bet, as you say, is to throw the kitchen sink at Villa. I completely agree because, yeah, I think sitting back and nicking the goal. Plenty of advantages, and it's the worst possible thing that could happen to Villa. Like, if if West Brom had to score in the first fifteen minutes, it's game on again, isn't it? Completely game on, and no one's no one's going to know if they're coming or bloody going at that point. So the worst thing that could happen to Villa is that exact thing happens, the exact thing that happened last time. I don't expect West Brom to do that because they're going to want a resounding victory. They're not going to want to take it to extra time. They're going to want it done and dusted in ninety. So I think I expect that they'll be throwing a kitchen sink at us, which does benefit Villa in the sense that. Villa won't need to sit back to launch a counter because West Brom will be coming at them anyway. Oh, yeah, but we need to be up for it. We have to have focus. I mean, if, if the Champions League semi-finals have, have proven anything, um, we it's it, it's the look that 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 comfort uh, going into the second leg. I don't know. It's 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 a poison chalice, isn't it? You know, they're, 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 you you just don't know. Um, you just don't know what's going to happen on on Tuesday, um, and I just think that Villa have to remain so so focused. I mean, we have to approach that game like we're one nil down. I think yeah. genuinely, I think we have to. It's a clean slate. We have to do a clean slate again. Forget the one goal advantage. Treat this as its own game because a draw is a win. A win's a win. All you have to do is not lose the game. That's it. Yeah, that puts all the pressure on Albion. Uh, James Shan, I'm sure will will fire them up. You know they'll, they'll I mean they'll they'll get all sorts of they'll get all sorts in areas. You know I mean post game in that in that interview, Shan was obviously um, playing the unlucky thing with with West Brom. And look, you know what? West Brom's fundamentals they're there. West Brom's fundamentals they are a very very difficult side. You know that that side would. Change, I mean, look, say what you like, right? Whether they're, whether or not they'd be boring and ugly to watch, that side stays up in the Premier League. In my opinion, that that West Brom side stays up in the Premier League because they 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 genuinely know how to defend. Now, I think I think if Villa play into that, uh, I, th- I think I think they're going to struggle. I think what what Villa do need to do is, and I think um, as as hard as it may seem, Villa do need to just they they need to be at their best on on, on Tuesday, and they need to be moving around. They need to grab a goal. Uh, because because otherwise I can see West Brom trying to spring something at him. I think majorly though that the, the major players in that game are going to be Tanzibi and Mings. It's going to be all down to the defenders in that game and just they, they've got to stay awake. I don't think there's going to be sustained pressure from Albion. I think uh, I think was they they will um, have to try and throw the kitchen sink at us. I don't think that's what's going to necessarily happen. What's going to happen is uh, they'll spring up two or three big big chances out of nowhere. I think that's what I've seen from Albion. They they are like a cobra, James. To execute those um those big chances, and they they have every chance of taking a, a place at Wembley, likely alongside well, likely alongside Leeds as it stands. But they've still got a second leg to play at Ellen Road, and they themselves take a one goal advantage that can be swing. So the playoffs are still very much up for grabs. As, as optimistic as we are, still ninety minutes to go. So Leeds, by time. the way, who have already been singing at um. <clears throat> Excuse me, Frank Lampard, which uh, is is not a good idea when when you've only played the first leg. Um, but I'd, I'd be quite interested to know from your from your opinion as well. Do you, do you start Hurahan or or, or Whelan? Do do you make any other changes to that team? I think I start Hurahan just because he'll have the fresher legs. 
It wouldn't matter actually because Willem was taken off fairly early, so I, you know I don't. I might be a redundant point, but I'd start Horahan. I think he earned his place. So, and you you know what? If a free kick comes up as well, he's got that magic left foot, and it saved us more. Than one do you think the emphasis changes a little bit more though? Do you not now think that you know what? We'll have the extra, we'll have the extra defensive midfielder and Whelan there to to, to perhaps try and uh, stop Johansson or stop Brunt from 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 from, from you know assisting the attackers too much. Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I mean, if if uh, it depends on what how Albion set up. We're not going to know that until you know the match kicks off. If they want to throw the kitchen sink at us, I'd maybe more be more inclined for Whelan. But if they're sticking to a fairly similar game plan, you know, I think everyone's taking it for granted that Albion are just going to gun for us, which might not be the smartest choice, even if it's the only thing they can possibly do. It might not be the smartest choice to completely gun for us. So it depends on what they do. I'd, I'd have Hurahan. If um, they're more reluctant, but if they're very aggressive, we'd have to go for. I think again, you just do the same thing, don't you? You go, all right, this time we'll start Hurahan. If Albion wanna wanna play into yeah. uh, Whelan's hands in that in in that sense, then we'll just we'll we'll bring him on at halftime. There's always a lot of focus on the starting eleven rather than the the full makeup of the matchday squad, which is a a bit silly. I think you know whoever's starting isn't necessarily guaranteed to finish the game. We have substitutes to use, so they're there to be used. If Whelan's on the bench or Hurahan's on the bench, we've got options. Andre Green can come on. You know, we've got plenty of options. And, you know, having Whelan come on or Hurahan come on, it's not the, like, as we've seen, it's not the worst thing in the world. Hurahan came on and saved the match. So they'll still be there just because they're not in the starting lineup doesn't mean they don't exist. No, no, 100%. And I think, especially when you look at the fact that we have actually, uh, I think we probably have, you know, got a lot of points from from substitutions this season purely by looking at the fact that we've come back from losing positions so often. Um, and I also think we do have a strong bench in bench and guys like Codger and guys like Conor Hurahan. Uh, I think, yeah, you're, you're right, 100%. You know, you're, you, you've got a 16-man team there. 16? No, I've totally got that wrong. You've got a uh, you've got an 18-man team. <laughs> there. So, uh, you, you know, you, that, 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 you've got we've always got options to switch it up. You know, it happens all the time. And I, I think that's one of the things that Dean, Mast- that Dean Smith has mastered so far since coming in, which I don't think a lot of managers have. He has, he has definitely mastered the art well, of substitution. In that case, mate. One of the final acts of this podcast before we wrap up is uh, I need your prediction for the game. Do you want me to go first? Uh, yeah, you know what? You go first. You go first. Go on. I'm gonna. It's a one. It's it's one one. It's absolutely one one. Yeah. I have got a nasty feeling this is going to penalties, but um, I think you're probably right. If I take out the nerves factor as a Villa fan, probably go one one as well. Wait, actually, one second, James. I just realised that if I do that, I'm almost checkmating you from catching me up on the Predictions League, right? That's okay. <laughs> That's a massive game planning that you've got. No, there. no, I just, no, I just, I, I want to give you a chance to be able to to catch up because because me, me, thank you, Phil won. He did, he did. So now me and me and Phil have both got four, and you've got three, right? All right I'm oh, yeah. gonna go two two. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you for giving me. <laughs> it's all chance. good, man. <laughs> Sportsmanship, mate. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. But there's one final thing I need off you because we did. We haven't caught up in a while, and Villa did play a game against yeah, Norwich. Yeah, yeah. It's fairly pointless wrap. But we do need the match ball from you for that Norwich game for the end of season awards that we'll do when Villa's season actually finishes. Right, okay, I'm going to go John McGinn and Jack Grealish. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Neither of them played. <laughs> um, right, so the Norwich game, I, yeah, uh, I'm probably going to give it to you know 
the goal scorer, uh, first and foremost. I think I'll probably give it to Conor Huran. I thought he did well, uh, especially since he was he was essentially the, the senior attacking midfielder in that team, wasn't he? Um, did he score? No, he didn't. Sorry, sorry, he didn't. Sorry, he got an assist. He got an assist. He got an assist. Sorry, um, he, 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 he he played well in that game, Conor Huran. Um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna give it to him. Um, I think the other option perhaps you have is is Jonathan Codger because and he's getting yeah he's getting mine. So. Yeah, well there you go. Yeah, he scored the goal. <laughs> and I, I think as well, I think I think the reason why Con- why why John- Jonathan Codger is so important there as well is, and I, I remember thinking this after the Norwich game, he gets a lot of stick perhaps for not being as lethal as he should be, uh, and there are times where you know he does miss chances. But what I will say is. With Tammy, Tammy, Tammy Abraham is back now. That's great. Um, if we were at a point where Tammy wasn't there, if Tammy was to get injured, if Tammy hadn't started uh, against West Brom, uh, you have to say you have to say that against Norwich. Um, after watching Jonathan Codger, you have to think that he's capable, more than capable, of leading that Villa line, and and you and and and, and that is very important. You also have to think that he's perhaps very very capable of coming off the bench and and, and winning a game for us. Um, and I think that's why that goal is so important, James. Well, uh, the final one, we have to come together for one. I'd like to venture the name of Henry Lansbury for it. Oh, really? Don't know. Don't really know why. It was a boring match. Um, there wasn't much, much going on. I think if you want a third best player, it'd have to be Henry Lansbury. Oh, his past success percentage was, was was pretty good, around about ninety percent. Um, I think I think you know if you if you want to look at other options, perhaps you could look at Andre Green, who I thought. Um, had a good game as well. Dri- you know, made, made quite a few dribbles. Axel Tanzibi was 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 pretty good. Um, but again, you know, Norwich pretty much scored right at the start of the game and then right at the end. So it's a very very difficult period to sort of like judge from, isn't it? Um, because Villa almost fell asleep yeah. at the start and then fell asleep at the end as well. Um, but yeah, um, take that, mate. If you say Lansbury, uh, it's probably his sole sole uh, match ball of the season. Sorry, sorry, James. Quick one. No, 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 no retirement match ball for for Alan Hutton. Uh, no major end of not retirement. Sorry. Um, no, no final match ball for for Alan Hutton who's leaving Villa. Or I don't think so. These these match balls aren't often given for emotional reasons, mate. Didn't, didn't pull one. <laughs> he didn't pull out a major performance. Do you not think for? Uh, he no? didn't. He he didn't. No, he didn't. Unfortunately. Um, it was funny watching fans applaud every touch he took, <laughs> but he wasn't brilliant. Um, he was Alan Hutton, uh, but there, there are far better players on the, that team, unfortunately, against Norwich. But yeah, um, is that about it for today, you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Wicked. Well, thank you for coming on, mate. You can find him at Rise of Journal. We'll be back after the next game. We'll be back next Sunday, hopefully, with one more game to preview if Villa can get beating of the baggies it's a big one isn't oh, it mate, you, big one. mate it, is, it is a huge one and I really do hope we're back again um, Villa Villa forced us into having the maximum number of, of, of weekly match previews last week last year I hope they do it again um, uh, after the West Brom game uh, yeah look uh, over over to you Dino uh, basically is all I have to say uh, we know what we have to do on that uh, on, on that fateful game um, and I just hope that we, we 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 keep it up basically. If we play like we did in the second half, we'll be fine. If we play like we did in the first half, we're here for the taking. West Bromwich Albion play Aston Villa in the playoff semi-final second leg at the Hawthorns. What time did it kick off, mate? Kicks off eight o'clock. Uh, eight PM kickoff. It's going to be.
So it's a Tuesday evening kickoff. It could be Aston Villa's final game. So over to you, Dean Smith. Over to you, Aston Villa. Fingers crossed we've got one more game to at least wrap up and preview. Let's see how it gets done. Let's see if Villa can get into the playoff final. Fingers crossed. It's over to you. Up the Villa.